0: I want to begin by uh, sharing with you about George MacDonald. Some of you know him, a uh, British author in the late uh, 19th century, a, a, a writer who inspired uh, other authors like C.S. Lewis, who uh, wrote The and of Narnia, J.R. Tolkien, who uh, would become the writer of The Lord of the Rings. Uh, George MacDonald uh, wrote in a certain fantasy genre, and uh, he once wrote about a character named Curdie, and Curdie was one who had a particular... Gift, because if he touched you, he could discern and tell what you were really like on the inside. He could tell what you're changing into, what you're becoming. Curdy, what an amazing power that would be. I want you to imagine if the person sitting beside you or nearest to you, even this morning, if they were to reach out and touch you, if they could discern your innermost life. If they could tell what shape your inner world is taking, if they could tell what you're changing into, what would they learn? Some of you might be like that. Bring it on. Others of you might be like, I would never want anybody to know that about me." And still others of you might just kind of shrug your shoulders like, I don't know what they would find. Or what they would deserve because I don't know what I'm becoming or turning into. Now, as Christian people, and uh, uh, assuming you're a Christian person following Jesus, that is one of the great questions that we can ask ourselves, is what am I changing into? What am I becoming? Because one of the goals of the Christian life, perhaps the most fundamental goal, is that we are to be changing more and more into the likeness of Jesus. God says so in the Scripture. In fact, through the voice and pen of Paul, the Apostle Paul, he says that the great goal of God is for Christ to be formed in you, for Jesus to be shaped in your inner person. And that's the idea of sort of having the resemblance, a durable quality of something, the something that resembles something else or someone else. Paul said it this way. In fact, it wasn't just a, a, a kind of a benign statement. He says, I am in the pains like childbirth for you spiritually until Christ is given shape in your life. And so one of the great questions for us to ask is, as I continue my journey with Christ Jesus, what shape is my life taking? Because your spiritual life doesn't just happen by accident, although your spirit is always being shaped. It's either being shaped on purpose, and you're welcoming the presence of God in your life, or the world is going to shake you, but your life and your inner spirit is always being shaped. In fact, one of the great images of the Old Testament pictures God... As a potter with you as His clay. And your life is like a clay that's been thrown on the spinning wheel. And one of the, the great the great goals and purposes of our life is to learn to give ourselves lovingly and joyfully into the hands of God. So that He can put His fingers on you to shape you into His likeness. So that increasingly over the course of your life you are growing into the likeness of Christ. So if someone were to be able to touch you and to tell how and what you are becoming, would the answer be you are becoming more and more like Jesus? Not not perfect, but there are areas of your life where you're seeing growth. There's areas of your life where it used to be this way, but now it's more like Jesus in these ways. And you're able to to describe those things, or they might. Perhaps you desire to see change in your life, but in your deepest heart, you wonder if it really is possible. Maybe there's been too many words spoken to a spouse or a child out of anger, and you wish those choices could be undone. Or maybe you're a student and you were caught cheating in the classroom, and it's put you in academic probation, and now there's Character questions that linger about you. Perhaps there's a big chunk of your retirement money that you put in an investment vehicle and and it just got lost because the investment failed and now you're uncertain about your future and you wish you could take that choice and change it. Maybe it was a moment where you took an extra drink and then you got behind the wheel and you had an accident. You wished you could go back and change that. Maybe it's the the one-night stand that in a moment of passion that you wish you could go back and reverse what happened. God's desire is to be formed in you, for Christ to be formed in you. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, that because of Easter, your life can change. Because of Easter... Your life and my life can change. The Bible describes choices that damage. There are choices in our life that damages our lives, that damages other people's lives. And the Bible tells us it reveals so many stories of lives that are longing for change. And then it also shows us what a life that is touched, a life that's discovered the the changing power and presence of Christ in them. And we're going to look at ...at one such story today. If you have your Bibles, open them, would you, to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And I want to look and just compare for a few minutes... ...really the difference between two different lives... It's a contrast, I suppose, more than a comparison... ...between the person Judas and the person Peter. And I want you to see today that that much of their lives uh, were... ...they converged in a lot of ways... And uh, the the moment where they each made a choice that they wish they could go back and reverse later, that, that even though the details were different around that particular choice, the result of the choice was the same. But what followed after that is where their lives diverged. So Peter and Judas, their lives converged around a very similar choice, even though the details of those choices are different, But the choice itself is the same. And it was a choice that wrapped them in shame and a sense of failure. But then their lives ended up in two very different places afterwards. Because one found the changing power of Jesus, the forgiving presence of Christ, the restoration ability of Christ Jesus in his life, and the other Didn't. Now you may know the life of Judas, Um, even if you don't know the details of Judas's life. You you know the word when it comes off of somebody's lips. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? That's not a rhetorical question. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? You know it's a bad thing. We we use it when we talk about a traitor. We say, Don't be a Judas, because we know Judas' life is wrapped. In, in, in a recollection of, of things that are so bad. I remember as a child, my next door neighbor uh, went to a Catholic church. And I remember we were about, I don't know, 10 years old or 11 years old. And, and he was so upset when he was chosen to be a particular character in their church's passion play because he was chosen to be Judas. And he did not want to be Judas. And I kind of shrugged my shoulders. I was like... What's the big deal? And he said he was the betrayer of Jesus. And I was like, okay, it's a play. But my friend Terry had a much deeper sense of who Judas was than I did. Now, here's some of the details of Judas's life. Judas, for the he was one of the twelve, the specially chosen twelve that Jesus hung out with the most, taught the most. They they would go with him on journeys around the land. They they were watching him heal, they were listening to him teach. It was amazing. It was hard growth for them. He would teach things and they'd be like, scratching their heads, trying to get clarity. What does this mean? What are you doing? Why are you involving us in this and all of this? Judas was the treasurer for the disciples. So he had some responsibility and was entrusted with certain things. And then you have Peter. We know a lot more about Peter's life. Peter, of course, was was kind of the brash one. He was uh, the really gregarious, seems like personality. He was one that would kind of act first and ask questions later. You know, that kind of guy. He was the one that uh, was pretty confident in himself. Uh, grew to be confident in Jesus. Maybe he was a little cocky. That was Peter. Uh, Peter was really brash. Peter was was the one who uh, was part of, out of the twelve, Jesus chose three others that he would spend a little bit more time with, uh, Peter, James, and John. Peter was on that that Mount Transfiguration, when that amazing moment when Jesus somehow was, his whole form was transformed. and It was just, they didn't know what to do, Peter, James, and John. They're like, should we erect some shelters and some monuments? And this is amazing, but we don't quite know what to do with this. Peter witnessed that. When Jesus was walking on the water, Peter was the only one that had the guts to get out of the boat. He would just kind of act and do things because he loved Jesus. And he was learning to follow faithfully after Jesus. And they both made choices, Peter and Judas, that they wished they could go back and change. Where we pick up the story in Matthew 25, it's, It's after Jesus has already been arrested. Jesus has already been taken. And he's uh, uh, in the the midst of this trial before some religious officials. He would end up being unjustly uh, condemned and ultimately executed. And we pick up the story right here in verse 69. Verse 69. Jesus has been arrested. The disciples have scattered, including Peter. Peter. But Peter kind of trails at a distance to observe what happens. He says, now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard. Jesus was inside. He was in a courtyard, Peter was, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself. And he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Uh, uh, uh. That's significant. Listen, Peter remembered the word that Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows. You will disown me three times. And Peter went outside and he wept bitterly. A choice in a moment that he wished he could undo it goes on, Chap- chapter 27, verse 1. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people came to the decision to put Jesus to death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and the elders. He said, I have sinned, for I have betrayed innocent blood. They replied, What is that to us? That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple, and he left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Peter and Judas, their lives converge with the same choice. Details are different, but the same choice. For Judas, it was a choice that was measured. It was calculated. It was planned. Judas is the one who led the soldiers and the other leaders into the Garden of Gethsemane. And with a a gesture of friendship, the kiss on the cheek, he betrayed Jesus into their hands. Peter, it was a moment that overwhelmed him. You'll likely remember that Peter, just moments before Peter, Jesus was saying to the disciples, He said, you're all, in just a little while, you're going to be scattered to the wind. And Peter is the one who stands up and he says, not me, Jesus. (laughs) Jesus, you don't know me. You don't know how I'm going to respond when the heat gets turned up. You don't know when the pressure's on, the good thing I'm going to do for your name, Jesus. But in a moment... Peter was overwhelmed. I would imagine going through his mind is that if they're going to come and arrest Jesus, with all that I've seen Jesus do, what in the world are they going to do to the rest of us? That's why they scattered. That's why he was trailing at a distance and vehemently denying, because he didn't want to walk the same path that he just had boldly proclaimed to Jesus that he would. He was overwhelmed by a moment, but still the same. A choice was made that he regretted and wished he could go back, and it nearly ruined him. Both departed, Judas uh, Judas and Peter, both departed in shame, For the choices that they made. That's where their stories converge. Now, from that point forward, their stories diverge quite significantly. They go in opposite directions. And the difference is revealed in each of the response. You see, Judas is described as one who was remorseful. When he watched and saw what was happening as a result of his choice, that Jesus had been condemned and that he was going to die. I don't know what Judas had been thinking up to that point. But all of a sudden, the gravity of what he had done fell on him. And he regretted it. And he regretted that what he had done was causing Jesus such grave, literally grave consequences. And so he wanted to come back and return the money and and to, to go back and redo the choice. But I think what the Scripture is trying to point us to is that Judas, he regretted his decision... And that regret actually led to his ruin because it was different than what Peter did. Peter came to a place of repentance, not just mere regret, but Peter repented of his choice. And that made all of the difference because in repentance, healing comes. In repentance, our lives are open to the healing change of Christ in us. Peter went to repentance and that repentance led him to renewal that Christ brought to his life. Judas only regretted his choice, and he ended up doing the ultimate harm. Peter, through his repentance, understood renewal of Christ Jesus. He understood what godly sorrow was all about. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, the Apostle Paul is writing the church that met in the city of Corinth in Greece. And... He had already written them some other letters, and he reflects back on one of those letters. And here's what Paul says about godly sorrow. Listen, he says, even if I caused you sorrow by my other letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance for you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. I think the difference in Judas and Peter's response to their same choice both made the same choice. The details were different. Both wished they could go back and undo that choice. But choices done are not undone. And even though we may live with the consequences of those choices, we don't have to live with the burden of those choices if indeed we repent of them and we turn them over to the loving presence and forgiveness of Christ Jesus so that He can take that burden and He can remove it from you. You see, it was repentance... That led Peter into a place and a journey of renewal. But not so. Not so with Judas. You see, repentance is turning away from something and turning toward Jesus. It's turning away from this and agreeing with God in confession that it was wrong and that I'm responsible. And I'm turning away from that and I'm turning fully to the mercy of God. And I say, please cleanse me and wash me new that is repentance. It's humbly receiving the great gift of God. You see, after Easter, I want you to write down, if you're taking notes, write John 21 and go back and read John 21 this week. Because after Jesus was crucified and after he was raised again that first Easter, it was on the banks of the, the little lake there that Peter encountered Jesus again. And it's one of the most tender, amazing stories in the whole Bible. So imagine Peter, after that denial, three times before the rooster crowed. He denied, even calling curses down on himself to preserve himself. And when he realized, oh, this is just what Jesus said would happen. He went out and he wept bitterly, and that godly sorrow led him to repentance. And in John chapter 21, you see the full restoration of Peter. Because he, Peter, gone out with some of the boys. They're out fishing again, and they hadn't caught anything. And they hear this voice, hey, guys, the voice from the shore. They're out on the lake. Hey, guys, throw your net on the other side of the boat and see what happens. And you might remember, that's exactly the way Jesus came to them when he first called them. And all of a sudden it dawns on them. That's Jesus. The dead Jesus who's now back to life because of the resurrection. Peter, he grabs his clothes and he just... He doesn't wait for the boat to be paddled or sailed back. He just jumps in the water because he can't get to Jesus fast enough. And then the rest of John 21 talks about how Jesus three times asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Three different times the question is asked. And then, when you open up the book of Acts, and you see after Jesus then has ascended back to heaven to be at the right hand of the Father, you've got the church now, this, this young little church trying to sort out now that Jesus is no longer physically with us, how do we live life together? and How do we give a witness to the world? And who has gone from the sandy shores of that, that lake, is now standing on the streets of Jerusalem to proclaim boldly, not in his own strength, but because he had gone through repentance and that godly sorrow had led to salvation, and Peter now stands to proclaim the salvation of God. It is Peter. It is such an amazing story that demonstrates the point that because of Easter, your life can change Because Jesus is God in the flesh, walked on earth, died to take your sin upon Himself in His perfect life. Our imperfections go on Him. And His perfection then spiritually is laid on you when you repent and you give your life to Him. You open your life to Christ and you say, come and be formed in my life. Shake me every day of my life until I draw my last breath. May I grow more and more in the likeness of Jesus. May I walk in the way of godly sorrow so that I can know repentance, not just regret, not just, oh, I'm so sad that I did that and that happened. No, it's more than that. It's digging deep in our soul and with tears crying out that I repent. I repent and I turn from that and I turn fully into the embrace of Jesus and that's where my life is at its full. That's where I know where real life change happens. Jesus was increasingly formed in Peter. And you see it all the way. Tradition tells us all the way even to his death. Tradition it's not the Bible, but tradition tells us that when Peter was executed because of his faith in Christ... He said, you you can't crucify me the way Jesus was crucified. I don't deserve that. And so the legend tells us that Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't even consider himself worthy to die in the same way that Jesus died. You may have choices that you wish you could go back and change. Harsh words, cheating on that test, financial decisions, driving under the influence, that one night of passion... I'm here to tell you, men and women, that because of Easter, your life can change. Because of Jesus, you can draw, be drawn into godly sorrow and repentance and know the depth of His forgiveness and change. Jesus has been raised from the grave to declare that there is no choice that you have made that He is unable to forgive. Jesus... Because He was raised from the grave. He did that in part to communicate to you that there is no choice that you can make in your life or have made in your past that He is unable to forgive. That He is unable to make you clean again if you would repent and you would confess. For if anyone is in Christ, the Apostle Paul says, he or she is a new creation. Behold The old has gone. And the new has come. Father, we pray this morning that we would be men and women, boys and girls, if we have bowed our knee to You, that we would know what it is to walk in life change with You. That we would know what it is to enter into a life of seeking Your cleansing, Your continued touch day by day, so that our lives more fully reflect Your glory so that Your character is more formed in us so that we know, we know, we know that change is real and possible because of Jesus at work in us. Just like it was in Peter. Guide us in these realities, we pray this day. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.